best branding and franchise can be found here on FranX Live. We're going to hit record numbers today, Charles. I'm going to say six. All right. We have people, for, for any of you that, that are watching this around the web, uh, if you have not joined our mastermind group on Facebook, please do so because you can contribute conversations uh, to this. Um, and um, we've also started breaking out our newsletter list um, into two groups. We have group one, which is you've opened up the email and you've engaged, which is north of a thousand, which is awesome. Um, and then we have those that have not opened up the email yet uh, or have pushed delete or it's finding its way to spam. So uh, one, uh, throw your email address where you find this around the web uh, and we'll add you to the list if you're interested in gaining some insight and having some fun with franchising. Um, or join our mastermind so you can participate in the conversation. Yeah, and, and then in this week's newsletter, we have a link to to that Annie Duke planning tool and some other stuff. So there's there's real resources there. So the Annie Duke uh, Charles sometimes says things without much context behind it. Right. <laughs> earlier this year, earlier this year, Charles and I uh, jumped into the content game pre pre webinar. Um, and we started interviewing people that we thought would have influence and because all the keynote speakers were, um, I mean, they were sitting, sitting on the sidelines wondering how, how are their careers going to uh, go next? So we had some great people. Uh, if, if you go to YouTube and look at, uh, franchise growth mastermind, um, a lot of those videos appear and both us and Charles, we're, we're posting them on our social sites. Now we posted one with Austin Hatch. For context, we interviewed Annie Duke, and she gave us some great feedback on how to start preparing your your business planning uh, for the future. Uh, now is the right time to do it if you didn't do it earlier. So that's the context. Um, with that being said, it's time to blast off. Um, all right, Charles, here's a topic that I want to talk about. Um, and let me frame it, and then I'm going to let you just go off on a tangent and tell me everything that you want uh, after I frame this. Uh, people enjoy listening to you speak more than me. So that's, that's the fact. So the reality is, throughout my entire history in franchising, those that are in franchise development tend to look at a month for data. So when they're judging the value of their funnel, they would look at December right now. They would say, I spent X, I got Y, and the Y usually is in the form of, of leads. So what I'm encouraging our clients to do, and I would encourage most brands to do it the same way for next year, especially because I, I believe there's gonna be a lot of turbulence in the first quarter, uh, good, good and bad for franchising, good in that people's jobs are gonna be at risk, which usually creates first-time franchisees and bad in, in the sense that some people's businesses are going to struggle um, and they're going to have to battle through until we can get to the other side of COVID. So what I, I'm looking at is I'm trying to change the way that we look at the funnel to say, let's look at, let's backcast three months and do a few things. One, write out all of your target markets so that here, here's the markets that I'm trying to expand into. 
Column two is, did I have a piece of content on my website or on my social, on my blog, wherever, uh, that addressed why I wanna expand there? Column three is, did I get earned media? Did I get PR around that? Column four is now, let's look at the measurements. And the measurements, and this is where I think the funnel fails, is we because we, we jump to lead, the reality is the indicator that shows movement, when once you have your story, your PR, and your distribution set, you need to look at your traffic to your website. So if Dallas, Texas is one of your target markets and you built a piece of content, why Dallas is great, wherever you put it, uh, you might've tried to get some PR or had your PR firm go get you some press about why you're expanding to Dallas. Now you need to look at the indicators. So you start tracking the traffic <clears throat> in Dallas. You then look at the leads and you look at the applications and you look at the deals. And it's interesting, like I, I've looked at people's uh, scorecards and the applications are always judged back to the budget spent that month. And I say, okay, those applications, when did they become leads? And typically it's not in that month. So what I'm encouraging is a stretch, a stretch view of the funnel so that you, you're looking at it a little bit differently for next year. Because of the turbulence in quarter one, you're gonna wanna look at a holistic approach for those first three months. So my, my statement is this, and then Charles, I want all of your opinions on this, is it's time to disrupt the funnel it's time to look at it over a 90 day period at least. It could even stretch to six months. And it's time to look at other indicators on, do you have people actually interested in your franchise? And in my opinion, that starts with traffic to your website as an indicator, because Google Analytics will say, you have three people in Dallas that are looking at your site and they're spending time on your site. That's what I, how I wanna frame this, Charles. I would love, I would love your opinions. That, that, that's a great topic. And, and so, I, I, Time to disrupt the franchise sales funnel, right? So, Nick, as as we're you're going through these items, right? Story, PR, distribution, content, indicators. I'm going to go back to where I, I sort of always get stuck, which is I think every the ninety percent of businesses, ninety percent of franchise brands view their funnel as sort of the last step in the process and something isolated by itself. Whereas that funnel is also the content you're generating. It's also the leadership core values. It's, and it's all how you broadcast this. So too many people look at this funnel. I guess for me, you're looking at time horizons, which I agree. To me, the franchise sales funnel, sort of like when you're watching stocks and you watch 20-day moving average, right? You should be looking at that funnel through a 12-month time horizon. But also my problem is, is I think when people talk about the funnel, <clears throat> they're making a mistake because they're only looking at the bottom 10% of the funnel and they're not looking at the 90%, which is those stories, those communications, how you broadcast it. And, you know, and all the quiet contact, people engaging with your brand that you don't even realize, sort of the invisible part of the funnel. So, so that's where I get stuck. And I think that's where the real opportunity is. Yeah, I mean, the incognito lead is something that development people don't look at. And that is the traffic to your site. Now, there, there, there is a percentage of humans that are going to come to your site that might be a competitor or a supplier or a current franchisee who, who might actually be a prospect. Um, so 
but, but but we don't look at that. We we go right to that bottom. So th this is not going to be perfect. And Char Charles is going to have much better designs than I am. But you see that? Hmm. Uh, that's my drawing. Like I literally drew out like what is a franchise funnel, and right there at the bottom I have three percent, and that's a that's decision. That's not even like you get down to the one percent. That's lead. I mean that that's that's deal. But three percent gets to decision. I have in the seventeen percent. It's disclosed. They're talking to the franchisees. It's uh, they're talking to the lenders about financing, and they're meeting the franchisor at a at a discovery day or diving day or whatever whatever you call it. Um, so, so when I break that down, and I'm talking about the twenty percent bottom of this funnel, like we're talking about, like the leads actually come up even even higher. It's not down here, and so I tried writing out like how does this even work because. I don't, I don't know that we've established a best practice as a, as a franchise industry on how the funnel works, which I, I believe that creates confusion in the marketplace for franchise sales on I spend X and I get Y. I, I feel like it's because we're not educated on how the funnels actually work. Now, th this model is not, it's not innovative. This is, this is like marketing 101 for widgets that are not franchise brands. Yeah, and, and so again, Nick, I I think the funnel has been disrupted and it's all a mindset shift. And the reason why I think there's a disruption in the funnel or synthetic funnels that aren't owned by brands, I'll tell you is the rise of the franchise sales organizations. To me, they're evidence that the franchise sales funnel at least is broken or hasn't been fully implemented and owned by the brands and the band-aid to that broken funnel. Uh, and they do a great job, right? They do a phenomenal job, super professional, um, are the franchise sales organizations. Their success is evidence for me that brands are not getting their funnels right. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I do think, I think there's another layer there and that's unrealistic expectations placed on development teams by, by leadership that it, it's almost like franchise sales turns into a band-aid versus the cure. And when it's the cure, when you're actually facilitating good franchisees into your system, it creates sustainability and a strong exit versus the band-aid, which is we need sales. And when we, when we need sales, wrong people are put into that, into that funnel. So there's a, tremendous pressure on franchise sales folks to do more than what they're they're handed in my opinion the reality is they don't control operations they don't control marketing uh they don't control product distribution or procurement or supply chain management or hr they control how we package all of that together and now in most cases they they help establish the why you why now at that point but they don't control all that, all those other things. They don't, and they don't have control over it. And it's like, now go sell my brand. And the reality is there's chinks in the, in that armor up here. It makes it really difficult to sell down here. So therefore the outsourced franchise sales groups, um, they're smart. They're like, I have insert salesperson struggling down here. I'm going to go facilitate a relationship with the broker. The broker could automatically give that to the brand, but I'm going to step right in the middle. I'm going to intercept those deals. I'm going to I'm going to help make them clearer because the, the pressure's on that salesperson. The salesperson's like, 
I'm pressured out of my mind to go sell franchises. So it gives another tool to help them achieve their sales goals. So I, the, the bottom line is, and I don't think it changes. I, I, I think, um, I don't, I don't know that us as an industry, we're taking the right view on franchise sales. And unfortunately, um, I think we're too far gone. Um, and this is why 1% of brands go from one unit to hundred. Well, I think we're going to have to figure out how to get it right. And, and, and I agree that the franchise sales organizations, they, well, look at it this way. If you're a franchise brand and your management team that's responsible for your sales, franchise sales leaves tomorrow, you bring in a new vice president of franchise sales. What are the assets you're handing to him or her? Like, what are the digital development, what are those assets? And if you can't identify it, if the idea is, hey, I'm just bringing in someone else who's done well at another brand, he or she's going to do the same for us, but you're not giving digital assets or brand development assets, then I, I don't know what you have, right? You just have, you know, a hope to gain some momentum with brokers. A hope, and, a hope and, to sell, yeah, yeah. a hope to sell. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So like, and, and look, I, I've always applied it back to our own sales process. Right now, we have somewhere in the range of 19, 18 or 19 brands in our funnel. And in our agency funnel, those, whatever, 18 brands um, have been disclosed in our model. We've given them a proposal. We've walked through a demo. And now we're in a place where we're trying to make sure that they feel confident that we're the right decision for them post those moments. So it, having that many in my funnel is not a huge number. The amount of leads that it took me to get to 18 was 18. Like I want to close, get, get, I want to convert a lead into a proposal every single time so that I can show them what we have. And so when I'm looking at our total lead generation to get to 18, uh, the reality is, do we spend money? Yeah, of course we do. But I'm not looking for a giant number. I want to be very specific on who we're bringing into our organization. Now, it doesn't mean we're immune because I gave the, the one that I'm marking off here. Um, I qualified that prospect and I said, I don't think you have the assets. You're not telling your story properly. Here's how we build it. And the person was like, you're right we need this. You're right. I did a competitive study analysis to show them how their competitors are positioning their brands, what keywords they're owning, how to insert that into their story. You're right. You're right. You're right. Day later, follow up. So how many leads am I going to get out of this? I'm like, I don't know. What do you mean? You don't know. You can't guarantee me leads. What the portals can. I don't know to tell you we're not a portal. And so Shame on me! I didn't qualify correct in my own funnel, even though I know the indicators. I should have. I should have been able to say, "Not the right fit." I'm not going to waste my time doing a proposal, which takes me two hours. Um, I'm going to move on. And that 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 was me not not being smart with my own data. So so I understand how it happens. But one, I think when you can get into less is more mentality, you're going to spend more money to get fewer people, but they're going to be the right ones. And when you when you hopefully listen to some of these things, like Charles and I have been been through war 
for brands on trying to help them get there. There's a pathway, there's a blueprint to having success. Well, Nick, and it's not only what we've done with our clients, and I, you're going to laugh, but I, I was reading the uh, playbook from the Great Return Conference. And that, I mean, that's that was a community event of over, I think we had over 30 speakers, right? Franchisors, brokers, professionals. And the, the knowledge base that was downloaded there were recurring themes over and over again. And, and so, you know, so even to give something that's actionable, right? I think that, um, I think, you know, in the great return playbook, as I was reviewing it, uh, one of the first steps um, was to evaluate your sales assets, evaluate your growth assets. And I think that's that's a step that everyone should be considering right now. Because oh, if th that growth asset is a relationship with the broker organization and or a franchise sales organization, that's important. But that's down here. What are the growth assets up here? And you and your team are a key part of that. So, I mean, we're not going to again, this is not even our knowledge. This is like the universe of franchising that met for multiple days in the heart of all this nonsense. And I, I think this is really big. What are we going to do with this? Well, a couple of things. I think first thing we should do is throw Joe Caruso's comment up there. The first one, um, or actually two, because I think they're tremendous. Um, you mean this one? Yeah. Many, but not all franchises, big and small, are not capturing or measuring even basic data. You're lucky to find up-to-date uh up-to-date pipeline reports or information to tell you anything. And that's true. I mean, that's that's like at level zero and Joe's correct. And everyone's too caught up on what you're saying, Nick, is those monthly sales, those monthly numbers. No one has, they think this is important, but not as important as 10 other things. Whereas what Joe's saying, if you don't have your pipeline, you should actually go to um, HubSpot, go navigate their site, fill out a form, and then, Tomorrow, go navigate their site and tell me if someone from HubSpot doesn't call you up and say, hey, we know you're on our website right now. Can we help or whatever? I mean, like, just go to the HubSpot site. But if you don't have what, your what, what else should you be doing with your data? So we'll start basic here. And Joe's point, you, you have to collect that data, right? Whether it's uh, Keep, Infusionsoft, HubSpot, whatever your CRM is, industry-wide. Like Google, Google Analytics. Right. So, so I'd start now. Like right now with your team, evaluate the data, evaluate your organic contacts. Like you said, Nick, where are you getting your contacts in terms of geography and whatnot? All things we discussed in The Great Return. Start like creating an inventory, what's our data, what's our assets, and your asset isn't broker sales. That's critical, but you're not there yet. It's not that franchise sales organization. It's all these other things up front, starting with your website and your data collection. I mean, I think that's where we have to start. And I think we, we have to figure out a way how, I know we made it available to the community, but that great return playbook, which is industry knowledge at this point, right? At collective knowledge. We really need to figure out how to get out there, Nick. Uh, 
yeah, we do. And I think we're going to make progress uh, in the next year. This is we're in beta test on on all this stuff. We're, we're faking it until we make it, um, whether that was our free summit, which blows my mind on how anybody can charge for digital summits right now. Like it's about community. I, I get it. And people want to make money, but hopefully th this is providing value to the audience that watches it. Um, but I, I think we're going to make progress in the next year. We're going to go out of beta. We're going to launch our FranX uh, websites. Um, we're going to continue to give away content. We're going to have premium content that if you want to be a part of um, our private uh, coaching and, and group, you can. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get this to you. And frankly, look, if, if you've watched it, you've stayed with us this long, uh, email Charles and he can, he can give you access to it too. Yeah, and so if you're not on the Facebook community, go to Facebook, find Franchise Growth Mastermind, join that. Um, this week's newsletter comes out today, I think, or yeah, it comes out, right? So tomorrow. tomorrow. So I'm getting so many calls from clients that are in the brick and mortar space, and they're trying to redevelop their whole model to online. And in the newsletter this week, one of the things we mentioned is the comeback of drive-in movies. So like, let's not over-index to COVID and, and this digital world because it's not going to turn out the way we expect. Totally. Hey, everyone. Thanks for watching FranX. 21 minutes, 32 seconds. We're, We're getting done. See ya.